Good evening, everyone. The gar garments of the soul. Last week we focused on love and what is love, and tonight we're going to discuss fear. What does it mean to fear God? Is God scary? Does He want to hurt us? Does He want to bless us? Love is to connect. If you love someone, then you're going to help them. Right? In a marriage, if, you're, if someone is selfish, then they don't love the other person. They love themselves. If you love your spouse, then you'll do what your spouse wants. You'll be able to help them out. Good evening, David. Not if it only goes one way. Not, okay. Well, it's near an answer to that. I don't have a spouse yet, but when I have a spouse, I'll love her first. Yes, I mean. So, love means that you give to the second person. When it comes to our relationship to Hashem, and that's what we're holding now, to love Hashem means we want to connect to Hashem. And there is a method to connect to Hashem's body. We have the ability to connect to the body of Hashem. And let's see that inside. We're in the Tanya. We're in chapter 4, page 14. And we're holding on the right-hand column of the Tanya six lines from the bottom of the column. For love is the root of all 248 positive commands. If you have the handout, we're on page number one. And it's in the middle of the second paragraph for love. By raise of hand, if you have that. Yes, please, Can Basha. Can you tell us if it's by the, uh, by the circle and the triangle? Or it's circle? not by one of the day's okay. um, entries. Again, it's on the right-hand column. It's on the, I apologize, the left-hand column. It's just in our book. Yes. Yeah. It's the same as you, I believe. I have the same. Yeah. Left-hand column. Good evening. Welcome. Left-hand column, six lines from the bottom. For love. And now we're going to describe what we said before that how do we connect to the body of God? For love is the root of all 248 positive commands. As we discussed last week, if you, if you want to connect to God, that means you love God. And all originating in it and having no true foundation without it. That means there's no true foundation to our love of God and to our mitzvot unless, unless we have that love. Inasmuch as he who fulfills them in truth truly loves the name of God and desires to cleave to him in truth. So again, we're repeating this idea. If you want to connect to God, you have to love God. If you love God, you'll connect to him. And for one cannot truly cleave to him except through the fulfillment of the 248 commandments which are the 248 organs of the king. And this is what I wanted to focus on momentarily. Hashem has a body. Now if you go and tell someone Hashem has a body you're, then you would, you're not allowed to join a minion. Why can't you join a minion? Would you repeat what you just said? Yes, if someone, if someone says that God has a physical form, then according to many opinions, you shouldn't allow him to come to your shul. 
He's a heretic. God is not physical. Because in Philam al-Shinim, we specifically say that you're not supposed to say that. And he's not allowed to dominate you. Yes, you're not... You're not he, if someone says God is physical, he's a heretic. So, but I'm telling you right now, seemingly, that God is physical. How do you put that together? Yosef, over here we're saying God has 248 organs of the king. On the other hand, I'm telling you, if you tell, if you tell me God is... Get out of shul if you're going to say that. So how did that work together? What's the answer? Dr. Yosef. Uh, <laughs> I'll pass. He'll, yes, Dr. <laughs> <laughs> the 248 positive mitzvot correspond not only to the 248 parts of the human body, but also to the, and this is the critical word as I see it, metaphorical body of the supernal king. And, and that's, thank you, David. I want, the truth is, I cheated. I didn't finish the next line of Tanya. It says, which are the 248 organ, organs of the king, as it were, as is explained elsewhere. So the Rav Zaman is clearly warning you and he's saying, it's not physical. God is not physical. But what God has done is he has allowed himself to react as if he has a physical body. That means when we do a mitzvah, when we go ahead and we hear the shofar, we are actually touching God's body. Now, he doesn't have a body, but we're creating that relationship. Imagine as if you're touching God's body when you hear the shofar. Imagine it as, as if you're touching, you're cleaving to the body of God when you go ahead and you light Shabbos candles. When you go ahead and you eat kosher, you're touching the body of God. So if you love God, that means you want to connect to God. And the only way to connect to God is through doing the 248 mitzvahs. It's impossible any other way. Good evening, Chaim. On the, on the bima, you'll see copies of the Tanya. Okay. And please bring a chair, yes. So, if someone says, I love God and it's in my heart, they can't connect to God that way. The only way is through doing the 248 mitzvos, positive mitzvos, which connect us to the body of God. But Tanya emphasizes, if I may presume, Rebbe, that we are uniting our godly spark and, and the Shekhinah, which is with us, with the ultimate Shekhinah of God, and they are one and the same once we allow ourselves to shed the mortal human aspects of our, of our godly soul and allow our godly soul to cleave unto and identify. Uh, to me, that's an important point. I okay. don't know if you think it's valid. We'll hold up for that, meaning we have a lot to go. But, th but thank you for that point. Any questions on what it means to love God? And why love is the basis? You know, last week we gave an example. I think it's very important. Remember, if you do a mitzvah and it's not out of love, it's like being married to someone and being in an abusive relationship. Because it means we're doing mitzvos, we're married to Hashem, but there's no love involved. It's very, that's a very scary thought. So again, doing a mitzvah without love is like being married without love between the spouses. But one thing that we need to remember is, if you're married, so do the act, even if there is no love. The same thing is, we need to, we're married to Hashem. That's the reality, and we need to do the act. But I'm just emphasizing, if the love is not there, it's lacking a very deep part to it. 
clear? But what does it mean to fear God? I think perhaps fear is much, is much harder to understand. I remember we brought this up a few weeks back and we had some very good questions. You know, as I mentioned then, some people have a perspective that God is a sniper and He has good aim. And He's standing on a rooftop. And if someone does something bad, yeah. Is that why we fear God? Are we, are we scared because, if God forbid, I go ahead and, and uh, I turn on a light switch on Shabbos, so I'm going to be zapped? Is that, is that what it means to fear God? Does it mean that if I go ahead and I eat something non-kosher, something's going to crash into me? Is that fear? Yes, Basha. It has to do with separation, I so, so just like a spouse, if you do something against your spouse, that's going to create this division. The same thing is, fear means we don't want to create that division. Right. That's an interesting observation. Thank you, Vasha. Anyone else want to share what seemingly fear means? I once read that the concept of um, like Euro is supposed to be born out of like a supernal awe for, for, like, for God. Ah. And what we're going to see now, Rabbi Schneir Zalman, when he talks about fear, he doesn't even list fear of punishment. It's not even a, a level. Of course, if that's the only way you're going to serve God, you could have that fear. But when the Torah says that you need to fear God, no, it does not mean that you should think that God is a monster. God forbid, God forbid. No, no, no. Fear has a different dimension. Let me give you two, two different types of fear. One fear is, you just, you, you see this mighty person and you're just, you fear him because he's so awesome. That means you think about the greatness of so-and-so and when you're in his presence, you're just, you're fearful because of his awesomeness. That's one example. But then there's a second level. And this, for this, we have to imagine you, that you have this you have this teacher, this Torah scholar, and he's just way above all of us. A tzaddik, a true righteous man. And you see that he has this connection to God that no one else has. And you slip. You, you did something you shouldn't have done. And as you do it, he walks in. How are you going to feel then? You probably want to melt into the ground. Now I guarantee you that Tzaddik will never touch you. He will never do anything bad. You know the Chafetz Chaim, awesome, awesome story. Please. I just have one uh, input to make. Yes. The person that made a mistake, they would have to know they made a mistake, what they made a mistake in, to know that they made it. You know, they Absolutely. Know what their actual mistake was, because some people don't know they made a mistake. Correct. And we're, we're talking about someone who knew they made a mistake. Yes, yes. You know, the Chafetz Chaim, he one time had a student. And the student did something on Shabbos he shouldn't have done. In the Chafetz Chaim's yeshiva. And the Chafetz Chaim called him into his office. 
And the Chafetz Chaim took his hand and he goes like this. Here, Mabel, give me your hand. He holds his hands in his, and the, the student was very scared. Because, you know, the Chafetz Chaim knows you desecrated Shabbos. He holds his hands. You remember the story, Mabel? Mm -hmm. He looks his student in the eye and he starts crying. And he, all he says is, Shabbos! 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 The whole end of conversation. And the student never desecrated Shabbos again. He didn't scream at him. He put his hands on, yes, he did, he did put his hands on his hand, but he, he certainly didn't harm him. It was out of love. But let me tell you, that student, he feared the Chafetz Chaim. He didn't fear him because he was going to hurt him. He feared him because he was just such an awesome person. And to sin, in, it's shameful. So the ultimate level of fear is out of humility. Or as we're going to learn in Tanya, quote from, from Ramosha ben Maimon, from the Rambam, out of shame. Now don't get me wrong, I'm not talking about that you're, you're, you're a shameful person, God forbid. But fear out of shame means that you recognize that I'm physical. I'm a lowly human being. And God is the creator of the world. He's almighty. He's infinite. So me and him, it's shameful. I should go ahead and go against what God wants? That is what fear means. Again, fear does not mean that we should fear God because he's going he's to hurt us. God forbid. Fear means we recognize who we are, we recognize who God is, and we're like, I better follow what he says. I'm nothing. And now we're able to better appreciate why we have to constantly fear God and love God. Because without love, we're in a marriage, but it's, it's a horrible marriage. And without fear, unfortunately, we could sometimes slip. We all know you could really love someone and still slip. Love itself won't protect you. I just was reading, it was on Chavez, I was reading this article on addiction. And it said the latest addiction is What's the latest addiction, Yishai? The latest addiction? Smartphones. Oh, yeah. It's a real addiction. Right. Smartphones. Oh. Totally. It's more, it's more like a disease. <laughs> a disease. Yeah. No, but, and this is a real addiction that people go to therapy for. It's not, it's not a joke. If somebody's addicted to a smartphone, I think you should call him on it. <laughs> Very good. Thank you. I had to do that, Rebbe. I'm sorry. <laughs> So how do, we, how do we go ahead and guarantee that we love God but we'll also follow what He says? For that, there does have to be this level of fear. But again, not fear of punishment, fear just out of shame. Let's see this inside and then we'll be able to discuss it in a few moments. Wild fear. We're up to the words wild fear back in the Tanya. If you, page 14 on the, right, on the right-hand column now. In our handouts, it's second to last line of page number 1. While fear is the root of the 365 prohibited commands. What is the fear? Fearing to rebel against the supreme king of kings. It's not that we're scared God's going to hurt us. No. We just, we can't rebel against God. Supreme king of kings. So this is a lower level of fear. 
it's that lower level I mentioned where God is mighty and how can we how can we go against God the Holy One blessed, blessed is He but now we'll talk about a deeper level or a still deeper fear than this and that's what I mentioned the one of the tzaddik seeing someone sin when he feels ashamed in the presence of the divine greatness to rebel against his glory and do what is evil in his eyes I, a low creature, am going to go and do something that God hates? I'm going to go and do something that God... It's, a, it's an abomination to God? What is an abomination to God? We all know that God created free choice. And God said there's good, and as we're going to learn in chapter 5 of Tanya, but equal to good is bad. Just as, as an example, Adam was commanded by God not to eat from the tree in Gan Eden, in the Garden of Eden. How many hours was this command for? Anyone know? It was less than a day. It was a few hours. He was created towards the end of Friday. There was a few hours left, about three hours from when he got the command until Shabbos came in. <laughs> And from when Shabbos would come in, he was already allowed to eat from that tree. The whole command of God not to eat from the tree was for three hours. Michael, if I would tell you the whole world is on your shoulders. You eat that tree, 6,000 years of torture, horrific death for the Jewish people. Three hours, that's all. But it knows not if it will be, we'll have the era of peace and kindness, Mashiach, for, forever. Could you, could you hold yourself in for three hours? You couldn't? I don't know. <laughs> I, I hope most people here would be willing to make that guarantee that they could hold themselves in for three hours. Uh, yes. So, uh, within that three hours when Eve told Adam to eat the apple? That happened all within that three hours. Wow, and he couldn't tell what Right, so it doesn't make sense to us. Adam, and by the way, Adam was the... Adam was the apple of God's eye. I, God created him personally. God actually formed... How could Adam go ahead and slip like that? Adam was only created for, for a certain amount of hours also. He was very new to the world and very new to temptations. He, he didn't have any temptation. He had the apple and he had Eve. He didn't know. He had the apple, but he was told not to eat the apple. Okay, no, I got it. So I understand. Fair, fair point. Thank you, Joni. Joni's observing that... He wasn't trained yet. You know, a child, when they're young, they still have to be, they have to mature, recognize this is a challenge. That's an interesting, interesting there, point. There, Thank you. There also is, like, there's some, like, scholarly, philosophical thought that actually looks at the way that, like, it's said to Adam, and, like, it's, it's specifically said, like, you can eat anything, but just make sure you don't eat this thing, and, like, the, they, they sort of um, posit something along the lines. Yeah, I was saying that too. Yeah, there's temptation. You said there's nothing, nothing going on here. Fair there's enough. Two. There's two of them. So the apple and, and Eve and you're new. There's a lot, many things going on. Okay, a lot many of things we're not aware of because the Torah doesn't say everything and we, don't, we weren't there. We don't, well, we were there, but we weren't there early. But, but obviously the oh, action sure. after he ate the apple with Eve, mm -hmm. he was punished for it. Right. Well, that's true. So obviously, if he wasn't going to be punished for it, it would have been, he would have not had, he would have been able to acknowledge his own mistake. Mm. But the fact is that he already knew that he had been guilty mm. because he had been punished. If he wasn't punished, 
Well, maybe then we could say that argument that he was a good Okay. Yeah, I'd like to kill a soul and then I'd like to move ahead. Yes. So, would my question at this point, would the world have, would things have turned out if he waited the three hours the same way as mm -hmm. when he ate the apple before the three hours was up? There would be no evil in the world. Adam, by eating of that tree, introduced good and bad to the world. It was only good until then. But what I wanted to observe was, we laugh at Adam. Three hours. It's a joke. Millions, billions, billions. Make, take, we're, we're now in year 5776. Take the billions of people that have lived throughout this time. Adam couldn't hold himself in. But it's a very simple answer. Whatever good is in the world, there's an equal temptation. And the, that's why we say the greater a person is, the greater his temptation is. So, so Adam, although it was only three hours, but imagine how big his evil inclination at the time was fighting against him. That means he had the greatest evil inclination ever was within Adam during those three hours. Because the evil inclination knew, I got three hours to try or I'm history. So let's just put that into, into consideration. It doesn't make any sense. One, thing, one part of it doesn't make any sense because when... One thing I understand about the messianic age is that the the Yitzhahara will be slaughtered, will be, will be killed. So why would Hashem create an evil inclination if the whole idea of the creation of the world was to be a pure place? That's exactly what I wanted to talk about. Thank you so much, Chaim. And that's what I wanted to focus on here. <laughs> okay. Boy, you hit the nail on the head. How, how, how did we really know that it was just three hours? Mm -hmm. Is that in the Talmud? It's in the Talmud. Mm -hmm. I, I believe it's track. I believe it's tracted Shavuot. Okay. I, I, but I'm happy to look it up. the last thing created on Friday. Mm -hmm. and so, no, actually, so I'd like to take Joni, but I, then I really want to move ahead. Yes, Joni. <coughs> time, is it time maybe slightly different? Like we think of you know three hours. We look at the clock. It's three hours. Perhaps time was different then? So that's a good, there's a big discussion, but the consensus is, everyone agrees that from the moment of creation till today, time has always been the same. Mm -hmm. And we have to say that for many reasons. But I, and I, I got your question, I don't want to lose focus, I want to go back inside of the Tanya. And what I want to show, observe is that God created evil. So Chaim, Hashem created evil. The question is, is evil going to thrive or will it survive? That means, Hashem created evil, but it could stay in the corner. Will it survive or will it thrive? And that answer is dependent on you and me. And I want to, let's see that inside of Tanya. And now we'll understand what the biggest abomination is. Let's see it inside. Any of the abomin abominable things hated by God... And what are these which are the Kalipot and Sitra Achara, which we discussed, is the evil within the world. Now where does the Kalipa and Sitra Achara, where does evil get its energy from, which draw their nurture from man below? There's man above, which is a reference to God, Adam Ha'elyan, and there's Adam Atachin, man below, which refers to us humans. And klipa, evil, the only way it thrives is off of us. 
If we do something inappropriate, it immediately will grab a hold of that energy that we have created. It's like a battery. Everything we do has life to it. Everything we do has vitality. The question is, where is that energy going? So if we do something good, we've created good angels. But if we do something bad, we've created negative energy, and that negative energy is going to evil. So, if God forbid we do something evil, we are doing the most abominable thing to God. It's, it's, it's very serious. Let's not play it down. We are giving energy to evil, which God hates. And so when we think about this, how we, lowly creatures, are going to go and give energy to what God hates, can't do that. We won't allow ourselves to, as long as we're able to have that, that thought process which draw their nurture from man below and have their hold in him. That means evil is able to hold on to man through the 365 prohibitive commands that he violates. So in summary, love connects us to God. The fear of God. And fear meaning that we're ashamed from our lowly being relative to God. That fear, that shame, will never allow us to go ahead and violate the sin which would give energy to what God hates. Okay, you're not going to go and do the most abominable, abomin the worst thing ever to your spouse. You know, one thing is if you're married and you do something inappropriate. That's one thing. But it's another thing to go ahead and do the thing that they hate most. It's already a whole new level. So we have love of God and fear of God, which, by the way, are the first commandments from the 613, to love God and to fear God. Any questions? Does yeah. Kalipa um, mean shell? Yes. And so how does that relate to evil? Very good question. This goes back to what Chaim was saying. Evil has a purpose. A shell... So... I, I should say evil is actually an incorrect word. Because evil, when you hear the word evil, it has no purpose. Mm -hmm. Klipa, a shell, has a purpose. What's the purpose of an orange peel? It protects the orange. What's the, she, uh, the shell is there to protect. But that shell could be used for good or for bad. It's just a side point. It's necessary for the creation, but it's not to focus. So you have Klipa is that shell. And if it's not used properly, it could cause evil. And then you have Sitra Achara, which that is actually a reference already to, to evil itself. Yeah, good question. I'd like to look inside of your handout, please. If you could look at number five. Actually, just to, just to point out, number four and five in your handout are a quote from the Rambam. Moshe ben Maimon, where he clearly defines what fear and awe of God is. But what I'd like to do now is I'd like to actually look at footnote number 6 and read it together, and we're going to hear something that's going to knock us out. Baruch, please read footnote number 6 with, um, within your handout. His son Shimon. His son Shimon. would say, all my life I have been raised among the wise, and I have found nothing better with the body than science. The essential thing is not study, but deed, and one who speaks excessively brings on sin. Oh, yeah. So, excessive speech, yes, brings on sin, but the focus of our discussion right now is, Hamaisa hu 
we say in Ethics of the Fathers, Pirkei Avos, Rabbi Shimon says, the essential thing is not study, but deed. And this is actually today, even in our times, there's a controversy amongst different um, Orthodox groups. You know, what is appropriate? Do you first need to learn? And then you can put on tefillin? Or put on tefillin and then learn? Well, the answer is in Ethics of the Fathers. What's the answer you, answer you say? First you put on tefillin and then you can learn about it. First we do the mitzvahs. Na'asev and ishma. First we do and then we, then we could understand it. But... I thought it was Derek Eretz Kadma Torah. What does Derek Eretz Kadma Torah mean? You have to learn how to be a person before you learn Torah. It means mannerism. Yeah. It could, so that's a separate, a separate story. I'm talking about understanding mitzvot. Now, but fair, but fair, thank you for bringing that up. This quote from Ethics of the Fathers has just disqualified everything we've, we've learned until now. Until now we learn. In chapter 1 we learn about the animalistic soul of Tanya. Chapter 2 of Tanya we learn about the godly soul. Chapter 3 we learn about the tensive he wrote. And now we learn about the garments of the soul. We learn about thought, speech, and action. And the tensive he wrote enclose themselves within the... If you want to have wisdom, you have to think about it. If you want to go ahead and have love, you have to first think about it, but through love, we were saying, you could, you could serve God. Remember, we're saying, if you love God, you'll do all the mitzvot. You'll s- Major problem. What is greater? Your mind? <laughs> Razel. What is greater? Your body or your coat? My body. Your body. Well, seemingly, Tanya is now saying the exact opposite. Your body or your what? Or your coat. Okay. In other words, your clothing or your body. You agree with that statement? Your clothing is more important. No. Your body is more important. But in Tanya, we've learned the opposite. And I, I take that back. I don't mean in Tanya. I mean in Pirkei, in Pirkei Avot, we've learned the opposite. So that's a in, in Pirkei Avot, we say that the main thing is action. But if we learned that our soul is intensive, he wrote. That means thinking about God. That is our soul. And the garment of our soul is to do mitzvot, is thought, speech, and action. So then what is greater? To learn about God? Use the intensive, he wrote. Use our soul itself. Or to do the mitzvot, which is a garment of the soul. Again, we have the soul itself, which is the ten attributes. We have the garments of the soul, which is thought, speech, and action. Now, which one is greater? Of course, the soul itself is much greater than thought, speech, and action. So how could Rabbi Shimon say that the main thing is the deed? No way. Deed is not the main thing. Hamasa, hu ha'ikar. Deed is the main thing. Can't be. The main thing is to learn and to study, to use your soul itself. If you don't mind raising your hand if the question's clear. I don't want to go ahead if it's not clear. If the question is not clear. So let me repeat the question. We have our body and we have our clothing. What is the soul comprised of? The soul is comprised of the tense if he wrote. Do, do people remember that chart we had? Which soul? 
all souls, all three parts of the soul, we actually learn. Every soul has nefesh, ruach, neshama, and each one of those have the ten sefirot. Are you talking about godly soul? Both or of them. The animal soul? Both of them. Okay. The soul is, let's say, the ten sefirot. Action, maaseh, is a garment of the ten sefirot. So how are we saying that the main thing is deed. The main th- deed is a garment. Deed action is just one of the garments of the soul. The soul itself is wisdom. Knowledge is understanding. So, R- Rabbi Shimon, who says the main thing is deed, he, 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 incorrect. Is the question clear? By raise of hand, is the question clear? If you don't mind raising your hand, if it's clear. So so okay. Well, why, why is there a question if it's clear? I want to know if the question is clear. Oh. We're asking a question. Okay. You got the question, Chaim? Yeah. I'll I'll say one more time in short. That our soul is our wisdom, is our knowledge and understanding. Action is just a garment of the soul. So what's greater, our soul or action? Well, according to what you said, the body. Soul. The soul. Yeah. So then action shouldn't be the main thing. The main thing should be to learn about God, use our, uh, use our yeah. wisdom. Just the real question though, which... Yeah, but sometimes, sometimes you, you have to put on the right garments to get into character to study the role better. If you don't wear clothing, you can't leave your house. Is that what you're saying? Well, yeah, but you can, but you'll get arrested. Well, you, if you have no deed, you, 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 can, you, you can never... Without without action, you can cause no effect on the order. So you you can never affect the klipa by just sure. thinking about it. So you're saying a technicality. You're saying we need no, we need I our thought, speech, and action because without that we can't affect the klipa. But why not? We really are. I'm saying you can think about it all. Look, you, you can you can sit in a corner and you can be the most learned person that there is, but you'll never affect anything. Well, so too, you have 613 ways to connect to God, and only a fraction of them are things that don't require an action. And, but that is exactly our question. Why did God make it in that way? If he, he should have made us be able... God, if you could say this, He should have allowed our connection to be through our soul itself. Why is our connection to God through action, which is one of the lowest parts We're of us? In We're not living in heaven. To elevate our body, you're saying. Okay. Very good observation. Thank you. It sounds like what you're really asking is why? Why were we made physical beings? Well, there's two parts. There's, there's two parts of our serving God. There's the physical and the spiritual. That's what we bring to God. That's why we we, we we're given both the seal, the, the spiritual and the physical. So we have to serve God both ways. You know, I've heard a lot of good comments. I just want to clarify. Of course we need to use the physical. Because like we heard so well. I'm sorry, what's your name? Hodea. Hodea. Welcome. Beautiful. So one of the... Of course we need to use our physical body. Because God wants us to affect the physical. But the, uh, the question we're asking here is... Why is our connection to God not equally through our soul? Our soul is much greater than our than our action. So our connection to God should be accomplished through our soul. 
Yes, we need action. Yes, God wants to make this place a dwelling place for God. And I'm sorry, David, I'm going to push off your, your okay. thought for a moment. I, what we're going to learn now is that actually our thought, speech, and action, our garments, our clothing is worth more than our soul. What does that mean? How could your clothing be, be worth more than your body? The garments of our soul is the Torah. And Torah is the essence of God. Well, when you learn Torah, you're not connecting yourself to a low part of God. You're, not, you're connecting yourself to the essence of God. We're going to learn next week the analogy of water. When you're in Niagara Falls, does the water taste any different if you, if you collected it before it went down the falls or at the bottom of the falls? It's going to taste exactly the same. Is that correct, Doctor? Yeah. yeah. It's going to be exactly the same on the top on the bottom. The God, the way Hashem is in heaven, and the way Hashem put Himself in the Torah, is exactly like water. It's exactly the same. So when we learn Torah, not when we learn Torah, when we do mitzvot, and when we learn Torah, fulfilling a mitzvah, when we fulfill the commandments of God, we are connecting ourselves to the essence of God. And that is even greater than our soul. Let me say this again. The garments of our soul are the Torah. Thought, speech, and action of the, is thought, speech, and action of the Torah. And the Torah is greater than our soul. That's not true, seemingly. But let's look inside momentarily. Let, let's continue on to the Tanya. We're up to now. Now these three garments deriving from the Torah and its commandments, although they are called garments of the nefesh, ruach, and neshama, three parts of the soul, their quality nevertheless is infinitely higher and greater than that of the nefesh, ruach, and neshama themselves, as explained in the Zohar. Now, Reb Schneer is saying clearly, although they are called garments, nevertheless they are if infinitely higher and greater so, Razel, in our analogy, we would be saying that, yes, the clothing is greater than, is greater than the body, in our, in our analogy. The, why is this? Because the Torah and the Holy One, blessed be He, blessed is He, are one. The meaning of this is that the Torah, which is the wisdom and will of the Holy One, blessed is He, and His glorious essence are one. It's one. The Torah and Hashem, there's no difference. You can't separate them. Since He is both the knower and the knowledge. And so on, as explained above in the name of Maimonides. So let's end here. And I just want to summarize and share one in, in incredible point. The Torah is one with God. And we're saying that Hashem has put Himself inside of the Torah. Does this make the Torah greater than our soul? I'd like everyone to look. Let's remind ourselves chapter 2. Please look in chapter 2. Now you'll need a Tanya here, so if you have a hand, I'll try and share with someone that has a Tanya. Turn back, please, to page number 6. And on page number 6, we're on the right-hand column. 
the fifth line, the soul of each Israelite. Again, chapter 2, we're on page number 6 in the Tanya, right-hand column, the soul of each Israelite. And, and the text reads as follows. The soul of each Israelite is derived from his thought and wisdom, blessed be he, for he is wise, but not through a knowable wisdom, because he and his wisdom are one, and as Maimonides says, that he is a knowledge and knower. The same exact wording that we had, now you can look back in chapter 4, the same exact wording we had regarding the Torah, where we said that the Torah is one with the Holy One, blessed is He, and quoting Maimonides, this is the same exact quote we said regarding the soul. So actually, now I'm confused. We just learned that the garments of the soul are greater than the soul, and therefore action is the main thing, but... In chapter 2 we actually established that the soul itself also comes from the wisdom of God, is also